This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, Episode 74. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I am here with my purple-shirted, amazing, bald, and beautiful co-host, Chris Graham. Chris, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. This is our last podcast episode Ever. with you on the road. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Yeah. We're changing this to a podcast for uh, photographers. We're making a pivot. There's actually already a six-figure photography podcast and they actually do pretty well. We're coming yeah, for them. Yeah. Like Chris said, this is the last episode I'm doing from the road. We actually have our flights booked back to Nashville. We will be flying back home Thursday. Actually, we fly back to New York Thursday and then from New York to Nashville Friday. But I'm excited to get home. Uh, it's been over a month and we're, <laughs> we're looking forward to sleeping in our own bed. Mm, that's fantastic. I got a quick bone to pick with you though. Bone picking is my love language. So we've gotten like 70 episodes into this thing. And and every single episode since episode number one has started with, this is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode one through seven. I, I do that every episode. It's true. And then like I just go back and listen to the ones you did while I was on my honeymoon, and it's just like, Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode <laughs> 72. I don't <laughs> listen to this show. <laughs> I don't know what we do. Yeah. I don't have any idea at all. I just talk in the mic and I say smart stuff that's 75% dumb. And then James edits out the dumb stuff and I sound smart. I'm honestly, I'm not complaining because the podcast still got done while I was on my honeymoon. So we can Barely. thank you for that. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> just so you guys know, usually like the normal flow of the podcast, we're like a couple weeks ahead, at least usually sometimes a month ahead. And there's no stress. It's just like I get to it when I get to it. And it's usually well ahead of time. There's rarely ever a time crunch. There was some stress. While I've been gone, every episode has been finalized like hours before it goes live. It's like... Yep. Yep. I want to say that everything runs better when we're a team, Chris. Not when it's just one of us running everything. It's so true. I miss you. I miss you too, boo. I need to come down to Nashville like ASAP when you get back. and I know. Me and Chris, usually, like this is the weird thing. And sorry for those who listen to this podcast like for the first time and you just don't give a damn about anything we're talking <laughs> about right now. Because I, I know how it is. Like Our regular listeners, they like to hear like us chat with each other because we are genuine friends. Chris was in my wedding party. Like We're actually good, close friends, with even though being in different states. But people that just found the podcast are like, shut the fuck up and talk <laughs> about business. Teach me how to get clients. Right, right, right. So go listen to the other podcast episodes. You can always skip like the first five minutes. Generally, every single week, Chris and I just have a conversation. Like One day a week, we're recording a podcast. And one day a week, we're just chatting about business and life. And soon to be just talking about marriage, I'm sure. And we haven't had that while I've been on this honeymoon. So like Chris and I genuinely miss just chatting and hanging out with each other. So it's, it'll be good to get back on that routine, dude. Yeah, man. I said yes to co-hosting this podcast for all the free business coaching from you. And I haven't gotten much <laughs> <laughs> over the last month. Not, I know. I, I'll, I'll get back to it, my friend. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm very excited to talk to you about stuff I've been working on. But dude, so yeah, I'm super pumped for you to come back. I'm going to try to come down as soon as it's not imposing <laughs> for me to come visit. Yeah, so this, for those of you who have not followed, I'm on my honeymoon right now. We've been all over Europe. We went to Paris, we went to Barcelona, we went to Nice, Italy, Monaco, or Nice, which is in Southern France, then Monaco, then Genoa, Florence, Tuscany. Like we've been all around. We kind of recapped it uh, on the last episode. Those Genoans, man, they got some good salami. Let me tell you what. 
I don't know about all that. But now I'm in Rome. We just visited the Colosseum yesterday, the Vatican tomorrow. We have a pasta cooking class tonight. All the things that you would do on a trip we're trying to do. But Thursday, we fly back. Today is Tuesday. So we got a couple of days left and I cannot wait to get home to my friends and my family and get to see my niece again. We just bought her this adorable little outfit. That's like, you know, like the way you dress babies is ridiculous because you would never dress an adult in like a little bonnet hat thing and like a little like frilly skirt or dress. Like I can't wait to see my niece when I get home. That's what my wife was wearing when we met the first time. She came to a show with like a dress and a bonnet on and I was like, damn. Okay. Well, let's actually talk about things that people will be interested in and actually gain value from. Today, Chris, we are talking about rejection. I thought we were talking about stress. Oh, shit. Today? (laughs) Did you just reject my episode idea? I think I did. We have an outline in everything. Holy shit. Yeah. Today we're talking about stress. (laughs) Hey, just for the record, we talked about making an episode about rejection before this, so I don't know where my brain is. We bannered for too long today. Today we talk about dealing with stress. I'm stressed out because I got the episode topic wrong. Totally. And so here's the thing, guys. Stress. How have we not freaking done an episode about how to deal with stress in the studio. I don't know like how that wasn't like episode four. Yeah, because like who has not had some sort of stress? Like I can say the most stress I've ever had in my life has been in the studio <laughs> historically. Like, oh, and, yeah. and that's probably a, anyone who's done this for any amount of time. It's probably similar. So finding ways to deal with stress in a way that is manageable, a way that's healthy, a way that is um, going to get you through to the next session without what do they call it? Rage quitting in a video game when you're like so stressed out yep. and you're in rage and you throw your controller across the room and you cut your computer or your Xbox off and you're like, I'm never playing that stupid game again. We don't <laughs> want that in the studio to happen to you. So we're going to have an entire episode about some ways to deal with stress, some ways that we found that work and some ways that could work for you. I want to make one caveat here is I don't pretend to be some expert on stress management or dealing with stress. Um, I will say I've had very high highs and low lows when it comes to stress in my life, but I will say at this point in my life right now, I am at the least amount of stress I've ever been in this season of my life. And a lot of that is because of putting into place some of the things we're going to be talking about today. And there's the whole component of like finding your soulmate, getting married and going on a month long. Yeah. I mean, it helps. It helps. It helps. (laughs) And the episode's done. And that's all you got to do. Find your soulmate, find a beautiful bride, marry her, take her away to the hills of Italy and, uh, and, and thanks for listening to the podcast. Goodbye. Yeah. And you might want to build a super successful business before that. So you can afford to do that on cash, not debt (laughs) as well. That will significantly help with the stress equation here. But yeah, the stress thing, I, I love this discussion. I love this topic because the idea of stress is something we have to address. We have to be sure that If you want to build a strong, thriving business, you have to respond to stress in a healthy way. It needs to be something where you get inspired to improve yourself. You get inspired to fix things that are broken in your life and in your business. And that it's not just this like victim mentality or a shutdown or any of these, you know, the rage quitting. For me, like my story really basically started my good business story, the part where it actually started to work well started out of a rage quitting. And I, I've talked about this in the podcast as well, but you know, I had launched Chris Graham Mastering, put this website out there. I started doing Google advertising. It was you know, specifically like search results advertising at the time. They were a really great investment in my particular niche back then. It's since changed a lot, but I had so many people reaching out and so many people asking for a free mastering sample that I couldn't handle it. 
Like I didn't have the systems to be able to handle all the demand yet. And so it would be like work 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And eventually, you know, I wasn't taking a day off each week. I, you know, we've talked about that on the podcast before. If you aren't taking a Sabbath, quote unquote, a one day off a week, that's the first thing you're going to want to fix. It's almost impossible, in my opinion, to run a business on a seven day a week schedule because a seven day a week schedule is a 14 day a week schedule. You don't get a day off until you crash and burn. So I wasn't doing that back then. And there was a point when I had too many freaking projects on my plate, couldn't handle it, said, screw this. I can't do this. Turned around, grabbed the four hour work week book that had been sitting on my couch, racking the plate fees for three months, took it to the coffee shop and began to read it. And at that point, by handling my stress in a healthy way, reaching for a book, which I had never, ever done up until that point, that was when it was like, okay, I'm going to start to work on my business, not for it. And when I started to do that, that's, it was only by responding to that stress in a healthy way that I eventually started to have less stress. I want to add to that and say that my story is a little different. I didn't have like some big aha moment that led to this like big shift in my life. But I want to talk about my lowest point, which was I remember the stress that I felt when I was working you know, 15 hour days, I was at a very unhealthy point in my life. And this is interesting. I was on Facebook, you know, how this little like reminders, those little memories that pop up. It's like, (laughs) Hey, you have a memory from like eight years ago. And I looked at this one and the thing said this, and I quote, it was, you know, something's wrong when you're eating quote lunch at 11 PM. (laughs) That was a schedule that I was on. I was like up until 9 AM sleeping until like 6 PM. Lunch was like near midnight. Like I had the craziest, most fucked up, stupid schedule. My diet was awful. I was not exercising. And the result of that was it was the most stressful point of my entire career. I did not enjoy what I was doing. In like the middle of the workday, I would just have this like feeling of just absolute desperation to get the day over with. And this was still doing something that I love to do. It was like recording bands. I was producing bands and they were good bands and they were nice people. On the surface, it seemed to be great, but in on the inside, I was absolutely miserable, and it was just the result of basically doing every possible thing wrong that you could. And so, again, it was a very slow, gradual transition for me to go from that to where I am today, but a lot of the things we talk about today were things that I have picked up along the way and things that Chris have obviously learned along the way as well. So. Chris and I have both been to rock bottom or near rock bottom when it comes to stress. Yeah. Well, one of the important things to keep in mind here is let's go back to coffee. Brian and I both love coffee. It's kind of like what we really first bonded over other than spreadsheets. (laughs) It's true. And with coffee, I have about 90 milligrams of coffee. You know, it's like maybe an ounce and a half, two ounces. I don't know exactly, but it's a very small amount each morning. And that keeps me rolling. I'm very happy. But if I had 10 cups of coffee in the morning, I would be a mess. And for a lot of people in the audio industry, they're like, this is my passion. I love doing this. And that's why I do it for 15 hours per day, 31 days a month, even in February. There's this idea of, yeah, it might be your dream career, but if you haven't set your business up well, if you're not dealing with stress well, you don't have good boundaries and you work 15 hours a day, it's a type of torture to get way too much of something you love. 
Yeah. And I think that's honestly, that's the first thing we have on our outline here is setting up boundaries and following those boundaries. Because I'll say across the board, not just in the audio world, but really in any business, the most miserable people that I see are people that are very successful, but they're the most stressed out they can possibly be because of their success. So they're, they are stressed out in spite of success. And just because they have not put boundaries in place to limit how much they work and limit how much they have free time and limit what they're doing each and every day or week because they don't have those boundaries. They are absolutely miserable. Uh, and I have close, close friends that are still doing this to this day. So we're not going to go too deep. We're going to have some pointers on boundaries right now, especially for those who are new to the podcast and are like, what the fuck do you mean by boundaries? We're going to talk about that, but we do have a full episode where we talk about boundaries in depth back on episode number 10 of the podcast. So way back in 2018, beginning of 2018, keep clients from ruining your life using these seven boundaries. And that's really going to give you a good overview on how to really set up boundaries in your life so that it's not going to induce stress into your business. And I think that's one of our most important episodes. It really is. Like if you don't get the boundaries thing right with clients, oof, boy. You're in for a world of hurt. And anyone that's been in this industry for more than a couple years is going to tell you the same. So there's three types of boundaries we want to talk about with you guys. And you have to get all these right to keep from being overwhelmed with stress. We talked about it a little bit last week on episode 73 about how important it is to have boundaries in your family life, not just for yourself, but also for, you know, if you're married or if you're a girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever it happens to be, you need to have boundaries and they need to have boundaries. So getting your personal boundaries right is something you're going to tackle. And the idea we talked about last week in the podcast is you have a gas tank and that gas tank can be drained by work or by your personal life. And if your personal life is draining your gas tank, you're going to make terrible decisions in your business life. And that's going to be a train wreck. Yeah. And for example, like when I'm sleeping until 2 p.m. and eating lunch at near midnight, Like that is due to a lack of personal boundaries. 100%. Right. I had not set specific work hours. I had not set that I was like, hey, I'm going to go to bed by this time or I'm going to start winding down at this time. I had absolutely no personal boundaries in place when it comes to my sleep and my day cycle. And that was a huge part of how miserable I was back then. That's awesome. Yeah. Like figuring this out and locking this down. We mentioned this last week on the episode. I think it's probably number one. It's going to be really hard to have a broken personal life and build a successful business life. So I would say, think about your own personal boundaries. For me, this is something I struggle with. The personal boundary I struggle with the most is setting a time that I'm done working at to say, hey, it's 4.30 or it's 5 or whatever I happen to have in my mind is that's the stopping point that day respecting that and saying, no, 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 you need to be done by a certain time because you have three little kids a wife and a little kitten named Raleigh St. Clair waiting for you at home. I love you, Raleigh. Shout out to my kitten. Stupid, stupid cats. (laughs) And so for me, one of the things that I have been really pushing myself to implement to keep myself from getting too stressed is this idea on my do list. We've talked about that on the podcast many times. One of the main things on my do list is plan the end before you start. This idea of like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to fill in the blank and I'm going to stop at this time. Yeah, we do it with a podcast. When we start the podcast, our pre-episode checklist involves setting a end time. And for me right now, it's 4.02 p.m. in Rome. We're going to be finished with this podcast by 5 p.m. at the latest. And that is the time that we have decided we will be done 
today. And that's just one small personal boundary that Chris and I have both added for just this one thing. And we do this across the board with all the things that we or try to do this across the board with all the business related activities that we do. Totally. So the personal boundary, you know, sending an end time, that stuff really helps you from getting overwhelmed. The family boundaries, not going to go a whole lot into this because we talked about this on the last episode, but the idea of like, hey, when I'm working, these are my expectations with family members, you know, especially if you've got a situation where like maybe your mom is kind of needy or something like that. And she's texting you at 2 p.m. and is pissed because you didn't text her right back. Like you should have a conversation about that. And that goes back to the EA thing you talked about, the expectations in advance. If you didn't listen to episode number 73, where we talked about the struggle of running a home studio with a family, one of the big things that Chris talked about in the episode was in his family, he has something called EIA, expectations in advance, EIA. And this is a huge part of setting up family boundaries because he sets those expectations in advance and now those boundaries are set in place and they should be respected. Yeah. And like I said before, as far as your family boundaries go, most of your fights, I'd say 99% of them, or points where your family members are causing you stress, especially in your business, are going to be because you had an expectation you didn't communicate in advance. And in most cases that you didn't communicate at all. And their stress with you is mostly going to be related to the same, not communicating expectations in advance. So let's move on to the client thing, client boundaries. And that's honestly, that's what episode 10 of the podcast goes over. We give you seven different boundaries specifically to put in place. So we're going to kind of breeze through this, but what are some highlights of client boundaries that you think are important to discuss again? I would say one of the easiest things is, you know, it's been a year since we did that episode. So I'm trying to remember everything we talked about, but one of the easiest things is communicating your expectations about how communication is going to happen. Ooh, yeah. You know, I would say probably a good idea is, you know, you can use text, you can use Facebook messaging, you can use Instagram direct messages, whatever. As you are closing the sale, as you're taking that person from seed to lead to client, but once they're client, once you're working on a project with them, my advice would be only email about the project. And having that boundary and saying, you know, if you get the Facebook message at two in the morning, hey, could you turn up the vocal, uh, uh, the BGVs on uh, chorus number three on uh, song number two? Say, oh, no problem. I'm not in the studio. Would you email that to me so I don't forget? And again, there's even another boundary there, which is I require all revisions in one email for the project. That counts as one round of revisions. And none of my projects include more than three rounds of revisions. I give you three rounds. You can put as many revisions on there as you want. But when you send me that email full of revisions, that is one round. You get one more after that, and then one more after that. And then from that point on, we're either done or you have to pay for my time to do more rounds of revisions. And that's the boundary that I set. You could take that variation and run with it and do four or five or six. You can do unlimited revisions if that's the route you want to go. I know some people that do that successfully. Not my cup of tea. But as long as you are communicating what you expect from them, and where the boundary, and just to clarify, a boundary has to have an end somewhere. Yep. A boundary means you go no farther than this. You have reached the edge of this boundary and you cannot step over this because if you step over this, then my boundary means nothing. And that's the big part of making a boundary work is that it has to be communicated and it has to be followed through on. Yeah. And again, to kind of go off of that, if you communicate a boundary and then the client talks you into going past that boundary... The client now knows your boundaries are fake. They're not real. And if I just push hard enough, they're going to go past them every single time. Again, we talked about that last episode, episode 73, let your yes be yes and your no be no. We talked about that in relation to your family. As soon as your kid knows that they can talk you out of something or into something, you have set yourself up for a very miserable parenting life because every single time you tell your child no, 
they're going to complain and whine and moan and cry until they get a yes out of you. And every single time you change a yes and a no or a no and a yes, you've just made that fight more difficult. So honestly, if even if you're single right now and you have no family planned in the future, that episode is still valuable because of some of the takeaways like we just talked about there. Well, you're right. So I want to reiterate that if you are single and you started to listen to the last episode and you're like, ah, this is about getting married and kids and crap. Go back and listen to that episode. There is some really good content. I think it's one of our best episodes we've ever done as far as it being useful and having a really measurable impact on your life. So check that out. But okay, so we've talked about personal boundaries. We've talked about family boundaries. We've talked about client boundaries. And those are all going to help you with reducing or eliminating stress or at least removing those points of stress that can grow into massive balls of stress. Yeah. Oh man, we should have actually led in with this idea that the problem with stress is that it snowballs. Yes. And man, when it snowballs out of control, it can be a nightmare. So managing stress is not just about what to do when you have a giant stress ball rolling down the mountain. It's about keeping a giant stress ball from forming and rolling and smashing a small village of Italian people at the bottom of that mountain in the Alps. (laughs) Great job. There's two ways to deal with stress. I can't believe we didn't lead in with this. There's preemptive ways to deal with stress and there's coping ways to deal with stress. And this episode is kind of a smorgasbord, if you will, of different ideas on how to do both of those things. The best though would be stopping stress before it even gets to the point. Yes. I would much rather deal with stress before it starts than to simply cope with stress because think about it this way. Most medication is dealing with the symptom, not the cause. So like if you have a cold, there's no real cure to the cold. You're just dealing with the symptoms involved. But if you can prevent that cold from ever happening because you washed your hands, because you sanitized your hands, because you stayed away from sick, coughing little children that are in those little lines of kids and all the tourism places I'm going, there's like all these field trips and all the kids are sneezing and coughing and they're disgusting. I just stay away from those groups of children and I won't get sick. That's kind of what we're trying to do here. I'm going to go in a rabbit hole. Oh, okay. <laughs> go for it. I don't think I've, maybe I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but for those of you that might not know and, and might just be acquainted with the edited version of Chris Graham and all the stupid rabbit holes that I go down that we don't put in the final podcast. We cut a lot of you out. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I am a pretty intense germaphobe. Which I didn't know until we were at NAM. by the way. Yeah. I'm like... I don't touch things in public. Yeah, you wouldn't even open doors. Yeah, yeah. Touch doorknobs. 15 years from now, people are going to look back and be like, those heathens, they touch doorknobs and then they touch their faces. That's why they got sick all the time. So yeah, that's a good example. Like in the military, as I understand, I'm not, I've never been in the military. I almost joined the Marines as a young man, but I didn't. The idea in the military is you're not allowed to touch your face. It's against the rules. Really? Is that a real thing? As I understand it, Yes. And the idea behind that is you're going to touch things like doorknobs. They're going to have germs on them. And if you touch your face, especially your eyes, nose, mouth, or ears, those germs go inside of you and make you sick. So preventing that sickness, which is also a huge stressor. So it kind of is, I'm kind of on topic here. Just don't freaking touch your face, man, especially in public. All right. Well, that was a great rabbit hole. I'm so much of a germaphobe that I'm like a, I'm a ninja in public. Like if I go in the bathroom, everything is with my feet. I don't touch anything. <laughs> I'm like lifting the seat of the toilet and uh, gross. I shouldn't be talking about this. Let's move on. Let's get to the next topic here. And that is managing your diet. So before we get into like, why are you talking about diet in this? Uh, I'm not fat. I'm your fat. <laughs> what, we mean, what we mean is 
And let me go back to the story where I was sleeping until 4 p.m. or whatever. I, I just had the craziest sleep schedule. I was also eating terribly. I was putting horrible fuel into my body. It was just simply eating carbs and microwave food. And I remember making ramen with, and putting cheese into it and butter oh, and like gosh. an egg. And that was a meal for me. I would pizza pockets or whatever they're called. What are they called? Hot pockets. Even, not even, I would eat hot pockets, but the little pizza roll things. Oh, Totino's frozen pizza rolls, AKA the most delicious processed food on God's green earth. Right. So like all of these things, people don't think about this because in America we are just raised on processed foods, but these foods are not healthy for us and they do not produce the result you want inside of your body. And a lot of this led to the stress. I didn't know this at the time. I didn't know how important healthy food was. And this is not going to be a health food episode, but one of my favorite podcasts has been the model health show, the model health show, Sean Stevenson. It's a game changer because he goes into the science behind how food affects your body. And there is so much research that has come into this. There will be a future where I feel like there's going to be two camps in America, those who still eat processed foods and are getting fatter and fatter and fatter and less and less healthy. And those who have finally had that pivotal moment where they realized how much food affects their bodies. And those are the people who are getting healthier and healthier and healthier. And it's going to divide the nation, maybe not in some crazy way, but at least in a health way. And I think that's part of the reason why we have such high healthcare costs, such high obesity, such high depression rates, such high unhappiness with the way our body looks or the way we feel. All of this leads to stress and all of this goes back or a lot of this goes back to our diets. And I don't really have a lot more to add to this because I'm not an expert, but I will say I don't prescribe to any specific diet. I'm not like an Atkins person or a vegan. I'm not a vegetarian. I don't do this or that, but I will say I eat real whole foods. Not the store whole foods, but like I eat foods with one ingredient in it. I eat chicken. I eat strawberries. What is in strawberries? It's strawberries. I eat, you know, like I eat healthy things. Well, and one of the components there to go on a complete hippie rant, let me explain the hippie rant here. The reason we're talking about diet is because if you eat well, if you eat healthy foods, you'll find that your body and your mind run better. And making your body and mind run better is the way you make good decisions. And that's how you grow your business. It's that simple. All of this is performance hacking. And the food conversation is really significant. If I eat pizza, which I always eat too much of, I'm lethargic. I'm a bump on a log. I'm not a good business person. I don't make good decisions. I'm not a good person when I eat crap like that. The other thing to keep in mind I'm going to get so hippie. Sorry, Brian. This isn't an attack or anything. I love it. This is where I support your hippiness is with diet. Awesome. Strawberries. Perfect example. Strawberries, if you're not eating organic, have some of the most pesticides on them of any food on earth. Oh, I believe it. If you see real strawberries, like organic yeah, strawberries, tiny. they look so different than the like monstrosities you see at Walmart or Safeway or whatever your local supermarket is. So there's this idea... <laughs> that I think we're going to look back at in 50 years and be like, what were they thinking? Absolutely. There are so many things, if you look back in history, where we look back and from a health perspective, we're like, morons, they were so stupid 50 years ago. Electroshock therapy, what a bunch of... They didn't know cigarettes caused cancer. <laughs> yeah, there's so many things. One of the things I think we'll look back at is this idea of like, wait, 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 wait. So tell, let, me, let me get this straight. So you're growing some food and then you put some super toxic poison on it that's designed to kill bugs... And then you let kids eat it <laughs> or with meat. So let me get this straight. So you take growth hormones 
and you inject that into the cow and then you let people eat the cow with the hormones in it. I don't know if I want to go down this specific sort of rabbit hole though, because like, <laughs> let me just say this though. Like when it comes to like, I don't disagree with you at all. The point I'm trying to drive is like, if you're eating Tostino's pizza rolls, that's terrible. But if you're eating like, even if you went to Walmart and bought the shittiest meat and the shittiest strawberries and the shittiest like chicken, it's still so much better than just pizza rolls and ramen and other shit. Like I still believe that that diet is significantly more healthy than the shitty processed foods. Yeah. You might be right. On our last episode, we talked about this idea of a gas gauge of are you on full or are you on empty? One of the things I think that's important to develop to optimize your performance is to be paying attention to what your body is telling you. And if your body is telling you, I feel weird when I eat that, or I feel stressed when I eat that, there are certain types of food that if I eat it, I'm more likely to become stressed than if I didn't eat it. And for me personally, what I have found is that tends to be non-organic meats. When I eat a really low quality meat that clearly has tons of growth hormones and God knows what else in it, that's when I typically get shakes in my legs and I typically just get a little bit more high strung. So I think all this hippy dippy crap aside, you should develop the ability to listen to your body and to recognize, hmm, when I eat this, I feel a little weird. And then what should happen is you should figure out what are the foods that make you feel amazing. Perfect example, RX bars. There's a protein bar called an RX bar that I am obsessed with. And if I eat one of those instead of lunch, I delay, you know, I do like an earlier dinner or something like that. I'm a champ. I feel great when I eat those. It's not something that I do every day, but if I'm in a situation where I'm like, I need to have a not full stomach and lots of energy and our X bar makes me feel great, ups my performance. And I will say this, Chris is talking about listening to your body. You're probably not going to notice anything. And the reason why is if you're eating super unhealthy right now, you don't even know what it feels like to be healthy yet. Yep. I know how it feels to be healthy because I will go a very long time eating healthy. But I can tell you right now, I now remember what it feels like to eat like shit because I've been on my honeymoon. I've been eating <laughs> dessert every night. I just had a bowl of spaghetti and meatballs. I had chicken carbonara yesterday for dinner. Like I now remember what it's like to feel unhealthy. And the way I feel right now is how the average American feels always. And it's awful. And that's their normal. That's their baseline. That's how they feel every day. And they don't know that it's not good. And so until you get away from that, until you recalibrate your body to a new baseline and you have experienced what it's like to actually feel great and energized, you're not going to know what different food does to your body. So just start small, stay manageable. Don't go too off the deep end where you just like relapse and go back to junk food because you try to go too hard with this. Just take the 80-20 principle with your food and apply it. Take the 80-20 principle with boundaries from the other bullet point we talked about and apply it. And you'll start to see big changes to your stress level and honestly your body when it comes to your diet. And then once you've started to have early success, you can start to implement a little more and a little more and a little more. You'll start to learn a little bit more about your body and what makes you stressed out and what makes you feel bad. And you can start to focus on removing that sort of stuff from your body. So let's move on. We've well. Let me give one more piece here. I think it's important to approach this from an 80-20 perspective as well. So for many people, the 80-20 principle for improving their diet so that they can improve their performance and lessen their stress comes down to soda pop. For a lot of people, if you're drinking a ton of Coke or you're drinking a ton of Mountain Dew or whatever, 
you're consuming a ton of calories, a ton of chemicals, and a lot of caffeine, it might be as easy as just cutting out pop. Absolutely. And from my perspective, like no judgment if you're into pop, pop does not enter my house. No, my heaviest weight, I was 200 pounds. I was probably about, I want to say 19, 20 years old. The only other time I was 200 pounds when I was squatting 355 pounds for five sets of five reps. I was deadlifting 415 pounds. That was the only other time I've been at 200 pounds in my life. Completely different body. But at age 20, I was 200 pounds. I was probably 35% body fat. Who knows? Some ridiculous number. And all I did was cut out Coke. As we say in the South, everything's Coke or pop or soda, whatever you want to call it. All I did was cut out that. And my weight dropped back to my normal around 175 pounds. I lost 25 pounds, did nothing to my diet except cut out Coke. And that is a huge thing. But it's more than just weight. Honestly, I think it's your food is your fuel. But let's move on because honestly, go listen to the Model Health Show by Sean Stevenson. Go listen to that if you want to go down this diet health kick thing. If you want to go down that rabbit hole, because there's a lot of great content on there related to food, stress, and a lot of other stuff. So let's move on. The next thing we're going to talk about is exercise. We talked about diet. Why are we not going to talk about exercise too? This is a very important part. And I want to lead this off again by saying, similar to diet, the exercise thing is just finding what works for you in something that is manageable. That is the big key because my big thing is if I have not worked out for a while and I go into something back at a thousand percent, my body hates me. I hate myself and I will drop off very, very fast because I've overdone it. So before we even get into the exercise portion of thing, which Chris has a few things that he likes a lot, and I'll talk about some of the things I like in exercise, but make sure you find some amount of exercise that you're doing regularly as part of your routine that is manageable to you to where you can keep it up consistently. And the idea here, you know, is that diet is preventative. Your diet is preventing stress. If you are putting bad fuel, you're going to get stressed much more easily. Exercise is interesting because it's both preventative and it's a way to cope. There are a lot of people that live and die by like, okay, I'm going to go get my butt kicked in the gym and that's how I'm going to process stress. The preventative part of exercise for me has been switching to a standing desk. That's really, really, really helped a lot. Not for everybody, you know, definitely uh, advice buffet here. It was a big transition in the mastering studio, but it's been great. The second thing, as far as the dealing with stress, I, as you guys know, am kind of a hippie. As a result, I do all the hippie things, and one of those things is yoga. I freaking (laughs) love yoga. Not like crazy intense, like dripping with sweat yoga, but for those of you guys that don't know much about yoga, you end yoga by laying on the floor for like five minutes. Basically an adult nap. Yeah, it's like a little adult nap. So I love yoga, and there's this amazing yoga studio near where I live, and I've been taking classes there, and it has been awesome. I have such better creativity and insights. A lot of our ideas for the podcast come as a result of like, I was doing yoga and I was like, oh, that's a great idea for an episode. Let's do that. So yoga is great. Some people do that with running. Some people do that with other forms of exercise. You got to find something that jives with who you are and it can be a massive let off valve of like, I'm stressed. I'm going to go do this thing. And when I'm done, I'm going to feel great. Again, I would encourage anyone who's never done any sort of exercise or found any exercise that they've stuck with to experiment here. It's okay to jump around wildly to different things. Maybe you like running. Maybe you like rowing. Maybe you like biking. Maybe you like yoga. My thing historically has been powerlifting. And I've switched between like 
trying to do bodybuilding with a workout partner, doing more powerlifting type things. And I enjoy powerlifting more because I don't get very muscular, but I do make massive gains in strength training. And because of this, I like the progress involved with it. I like tracking my numbers. I like seeing those numbers go up. And I like doing things like deadlifts, like squats, like bench press, bench press, <laughs> like, like death. It's, I've been on my honeymoon. I don't even know what the hell I do anymore. <laughs> I like doing things like squats, like deadlifts and things like that are a great way to release stress, a great way to prevent stress because you feel so great after you've done this. Again, all of these things sound like such stupid advice for dealing with stress or preventing stress. But I look back at the time when I was at my most stressed and I was an absolute undisciplined slob with no boundaries. I was eating terrible food and I was not exercising. And all of those things have changed in my life. And I would like to think that the direct result of all of those things changing to where I'm much more disciplined, I have many boundaries in my life that I adhere to, I'm much healthier in my diet, and I exercise. Those three things alone, and we have a few more things to talk about, those three things alone have led to a massive improvement in both happiness, fulfillment, and a massive reduction in stress in my life. And I really do think those things are all correlated. I totally agree. I think, you know, typically the person we encounter through this podcast, and let me take a moment to pause here. This podcast has been so much fun because I've met hundreds of people as a result of it. I've had so many phone calls. I've had so many interactions on Instagram, on Facebook. The general kind of theme has been, I want to be free to do what I want to do for a living. I want to be free to pursue my passions. One of the things that's kept me from doing that is I get overwhelmed and freaked out and stressed unless you can find a way to deal with stress in a healthy way, a lot of the tactical information that we're giving you guys is only a half measure. It's only going to help so much, but it's never going to take you the full distance. You have to be in a healthy spot. And what I have found that I think is just fascinating is the more emotionally healthy I become, the better my business runs and the more it grows. And that honestly, that leads us to our next bullet point here, and that is mental health. I mean, would you say mental health is different from emotional health, Chris? I don't know. I, I think this is a very complicated conversation. I would say there's probably two sides to the mental health coin. I would say one of them is treating yourself well, not like, oh, the client didn't approve my first mix. I'm awful. I suck. Blah, blah, blah. Like not beating the crap out of yourself like a masochist. And the other side, I think, is probably more into the diagnosable, like actual chemical imbalance stuff. But I believe that even that chemical imbalance stuff is probably related to more than just a chemical imbalance. There's probably contributing factors. Well, some of it is stress related. Some of it is diet related. Some of it's lack of exercise. I am a firm believer that not all, obviously, but a lot of mental health issues are a result of not taking care of yourself in other ways. And it's up to you to find what your emotional balance is, what your mental health issues are. Like we're never going to turn you away from going to see professional help. That's actually where I was going to go on this bullet point, which is if you're trying to get your mental health in order, because that's a source of stress for you, go seek professional help. Don't feel like you can't see a counselor or a psychiatrist. There should be no stigma or no shame attached to that. And I think honestly, even people who are at a healthy place should still see somebody on a semi-regular basis. Like think about it as like car maintenance. If you wait for your car to break down, it's a huge, 
huge inconvenience if that's the only time you maintain your car. But if you go every so often on planned maintenance schedule, it's a lot easier to prevent those things from happening and your car breaking down. Totally. And I think there's two components to this that I would add to that. One is this gas gauge. A mental health gas gauge is so important that you can just sit down and say, on a scale of one to 10, where am I at from a mental health perspective right now? Something where you can say, ah, well, I'm like a six. I'm not doing so great. Just to know where you are and to have the presence of mind to know where you're at is huge. And I would say the next component, I think this is dangerous for us as a community. We are sort of a lone wolf industry. There's this popular idea of like, yeah, man, I freaking recorded this myself, played most of the instruments for the artist, mixed it myself, mastered it myself. I even started my own online distribution network to put it on iTunes, Spotify, Tidal. I programmed it all myself. There's sort of like, I did it all myself, so you should respect me, is real dangerous when you start to tweak the mental health, well, you know, DIY. You definitely should have tools to do a lot of this stuff, your health, to maintain your own health. But man, that can be a really dangerous road to go down to be like, I got this. Yeah, that is a danger, honestly, that both Chris and I have to deal with. And we probably should keep each other accountable for is Chris and I are such self-sufficient humans. We tend to think we have everything in our control. That's kind of the danger of our personality types. And to have someone there that can spot that is probably a very important thing because when it comes to mental health, you are not always in control. You're probably rarely in control. And to have professional help or at least people in your life that can help spot those sorts of issues and help point you in the right direction, it's really invaluable. And we don't have this in our list here when it comes to dealing with stress, but putting yourself around pleasant people. <laughs> oh, how did we not have this in our freaking outline? I have no idea, but that's probably something worth talking about where if people are the source of stress in your life, a lot of times it can be a result of your own mental health issues. Maybe you're the person that's causing that stress that shouldn't be there, but sometimes it's people that you maybe need to cut out of your life or people that you shouldn't be hanging around or people you may need to phase out of your life. And, and that can be a huge source of stress that needs to be addressed in some way, shape or form. Totally. So there's a saying that I love. I come back to this all the time. You are the average of the five people you hang out with the most. So think about that. The people that you spend the most time with, do you want to be like them? And that's been one of the great parts about being on this podcast with you, Brian, is you are absolutely in that top five for me. You're probably like number two behind my wife as far as hours spent. <laughs> and so I look at like the people I spend a ton of time with and Right now, I hope I'm the average of the five people I spend the most time with. They're all awesome. And I have the least Instagram followers of my top five. <laughs> and so I think this is important is to evaluate that. If the top five people in your life, if that played out and it's, this is true, if this ends up being true that you are the average, is that the life that you want? And if it's not, you got to make some hard decisions. Again, this is preventative. And sometimes, you know, if you have toxic people in your life that are like, that don't deal with stress well, guess what? That's going to figure into probably how you deal with stress as well. All right. So we've got a couple more things to talk about as we wrap this episode up. This next topic, when it comes to dealing with stress, has to do with your environment. And that is keeping a clean environment around you. I can tell you right now, night and day, if I look back at what my home looked like, at the peak of my stress, it was a direct representation of how I felt inside. It was cluttered. It was messy. It was gross. It made me feel bad. 
And that was exactly how I felt. And if you look at the way my house looks right now, before leaving for my honeymoon, and honestly, when I get back home from my honeymoon, it'll be no different. We keep the house clean. We keep it organized. We keep things in easy to find places. It is as put together as I feel on the inside. And it is honestly, I don't know how much this helps with stress, but I will say that it definitely doesn't stress me out when I go home. I feel great when I go home. I feel like I'm invited into my home. I feel like I can relax and unwind. I feel like I can actually breathe. And if you walk into your house or your studio and it gives you anxiety, that is a very, very good sign that something has to change. Yeah. And again, this comes back to an internal gas gauge of anxiety. Anxiety is a precursor to stress. It's also the result of stress. One of the things that was really helpful for me is there's a book that's ridiculously popular right now by a Japanese woman named Marie Kondo. Oh, I freaking love her. She is my celebrity crush. My wife knows about it. I just think she's adorable. She is adorable. And she has a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up the Japanese art of decluttering and organization. She has a Netflix show too. That's honestly where I'd point, point people to. Oh yeah, this is true. So her philosophy is basically minimalism. If you don't use it, if it doesn't quote unquote spark joy, get rid of it. And by having less in your life, it's a lot easier to keep everything tidy and organized, which makes your life a lot less stressful. My closet has been Marie Kondoed several times. Super minimalist closet set up over here. I think I'm going to do that when I get home. We did this for a honeymoon. We only packed what sparked joy. We only had carry-ons for this whole <laughs> month-long honeymoon, and it's been great. That's awesome. So honestly, that goes for your studio. That goes for your home, definitely for your home, but it also goes for your car. You can tell a lot about a person by how their car looks on the inside. So we're going to put a link to it into the description, but I'm going to give you guys a gear recommendation. Oh, God. We almost never do this on the podcast unless we really believe the gear is awesome that it can help you be more efficient. One of the best purchases I've ever made for my studio is, there'll be a link in the podcast notes below, the Brother P-Touch Cube Smartphone Label Maker Bluetooth Wireless Technology Multiple Templates Available for Apple and Android Compatible Light. That's the uh, Amazon description for it. It's essentially a little box, and you hook it up to your smartphone, and it prints these amazing little labels. Oh, it's a label maker. Okay, It's you a label just said, you, maker. You just say buy a label maker. I have a label maker, Chris. Okay. I buy a label maker, but if you're a full-on dork like me, buy the $44.72 fancy one that hooks up to your smartphone. And just figuring out where stuff goes, like, hey, all of my hats are going to go in this bin in my house. And then I'm going to make a label and it's going to say hats. And I'm going to put the label right there. It's so much easier to keep your life organized. Yeah. You don't have to think, where are my hats? Where are my hats? Oh, they're in the hat spot. That changes everything. And the same thing in the studio. You should have like, here is where I put the XLR cables. I've got this. There's a little bin in the next room from my studio that has all my like little adapters. So like my RCA to quarter inch, my quarter inch to eighth inch, et cetera. All those things are in one spot in my studio, not in 17 spots. And there's a label on that little bin. And that makes my life a lot easier and is a lot less stressful. And it's great. And I think to my studio, there are some spots where I have certain things organized and placed, but I don't have a label on there. Just by adding a label, it gives your brain a word to associate. So whenever you think, where are my adapters? You don't have to think about that stupid basket you keep under your desk you know, in this obscure spot. Your brain goes to the word adapters and you know where that is in relation to your studio and you can just go straight there. This is all just, it's convenient and honestly, if you can make things easy to find, you don't have to expend any brain power, which makes you 
retain flow state better. But I still think there is a lot of anti-stress things when it comes to decluttering and organizing your studio. Yeah. I mean, it has a big impact. And even just to walk in and be like, ah, I like it in here. That makes a big difference. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's move on to the last section of our episode today of this entire episode advice buffet that we'd like to have. This last one is... It's the good stuff. The good stuff. We're calling it something and we're going to explain what this means. Walk away power. What is walk away power, Chris? Walk away power is when the worst potential client you've ever met tries to do a deal with you and they're like, uh, uh, yeah, I'm also going to need uh, all your plug-in settings, uh, all the stems. Um, I'm going to need that in 44.1, uh, also 48. Uh, I'm also going to need you to con- convert to 192 just in case I need it. When you get a client like that where you're like, oh my gosh, and I'm also going to need you to use uh, this specific type of dither on all of the tracks. <laughs> like when you get that client, you need walk away power. Walk away yes. power is the ability to say, hey man, um, I want you to be pumped about your project, but I don't think I'm the right guy. What you're asking for, you need a specific type of engineer. And I wish I was that guy, but I'm not. Here's a couple people that I think might be good for you to explore. They're all awesome. They all have my complete endorsement. But when you have the ability, there's two types of walkaway power. There's the ability to turn down a potential project. And there's the other ability to fire a client. And both of these things are related to your own emotional capacity to shut off the FOMO button in your life, to be able to walk away. Honestly, there's more to it than just this. Really, in my opinion, what this all comes down to is getting to a point in your life where you're not walking this thin line between bankruptcy (laughs) and success. Yeah, A lot of people, they're riding this edge. They have no emergency fund. So if they lose that project, they're going to go into debt. They didn't prepare well for the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. And because of that, they're forced to take on projects that they don't want to take on. They're forced to say yes to projects they should say no to. They have no walk away power. And if you find yourself constantly at that point where you just have to say yes, you just need any sort of project, you may have left your day job too early, or you may need to get a side hustle while you are trying to figure out what's going on in your studio. Maybe there's other things you need to work on, but by taking on every single project that comes your way, by not having the ability to walk away from projects that are maybe not a good fit for you or you wouldn't enjoy, those are the projects that are going to stress you out. I can look back on the point of my career where I was saying yes to everything because it was, quote, bill paying work. I had to pay the bills, so I had to take the work. Those were the most stressful days of my career. And I should have turned down more of those. And I couldn't because I was in $10,000 of debt or $12,000 of debt. I couldn't because I had to pay the bills. I had to keep my bank account from draining. And there were a lot of things I could have done better back then. But one of the biggest ones is to set myself up to where I had the ability to turn away projects that I shouldn't have taken on. Totally. And we've talked about this before in the podcast, the 80-20 principle that Tim Ferriss outlines in the four-hour work week. When I first read like that paragraph in chapter five of that book, it was one of the biggest moments in my personal and professional life. Because what Tim Ferriss said that just blew my mind is he said, 80% of your stress comes from 20% of the people that you have in your life. And you need to figure out who those 20% are. And the walkaway power is huge because if you have a client, and let's face it, in our industry, it's not 80% of your stress. It's 99% of your stress comes from one client. 
you need to fire that client. You need to find a way to, with grace and with honor and with respect and dignity and integrity, you need to find a way to end that project with that client and not work with them again to create a personal boundary so that you can use that energy to do things that will actually move the needle and grow your business. Honestly, pause and go back and listen to that again, because that is such a huge part of reducing stress and having a healthy business. Do not take on projects that you shouldn't take on because you can use that time and energy and effort actually pushing your business forward. And there are so many points in my career, and we've all had this, Chris, you know the point where you take on that project, you think it's going to be okay. You know in the back of your mind it's going to be a train wreck because you ignored all those red flags that you should have seen, but you chose to ignore. You ignore those red flags that were people waving saying, hey, this is going to be a nightmare project. This is going to be a horrible, horrible project. You ignore those, but then you get in the studio and that one thing happens where your heart sinks, your stomach drops and you're like, fuck. This is one of those guys who approves a project and then the next day unapproves it. And then the next day approves it and then they unapprove it. And then, uh, and then they ask you to get all the session files so they could go get someone else to mix it. We've all been there. And if you can prevent that from ever happening again, <laughs> it's going to be the best thing you can do for your stress levels. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Cause the big idea here is opportunity cost. For everything that you do, there's an opportunity cost. You're not going to be able to do this other thing. If you're in a position where you're working with a client that's making your life miserable and they're using up vast amounts of energy and causing vast amounts of stress and making you make bad choices, it hurts, it's uncomfortable, it's painful, but you have to cut them out of your life so that you can regain that energy and time and ability to make great choices so that you can do the things that will really change your business and really create growth. Because in the place of one bad customer, you can go out and find probably three or four customers that will use the same amount of your energy. Absolutely. And worst case scenario, for those of you who are still struggling to find clients, and for you, any client is a good client right now, there's still probably a better way to spend your time right now. There's probably a reason you're struggling to find clients. And it could be that you're just not good at what you do yet. You, you don't have the audio skills required. In that case, instead of taking on horrible, horrible clients that are making you miserable, have a day job and use that extra time to focus on honing your craft, improving your mixing skills, your mastering skills, find some specialization. It's hard advice to take, but it is the absolute truth for some people. For other people, it could be that they just don't understand how to generate leads, or they don't understand how to close a sale. They don't understand all of these very important things that they can still spend time. Instead of working with clients that are just extremely stressful and not suited for you, they're not trash, but they're just not suited for you. You can spend that time on improving your sales abilities or improving your lead generation techniques. Like There are so many different ways to spend your time. It doesn't have to be on a project. It can be on things that generate more projects in the future. So you have that walk away power. Yeah, that's huge. Even if you're in a situation where you're like, I'm going to start taking on live sound gigs or I'm going to start driving for Uber or you know whatever it happens to be, to have something that you're like, I know I'm going to be able to pay my bills. And I can say no to the project that I know, one, is going to stress me the crap out. And two, each project that you do should give you more projects. Each project that you complete should be of such high quality that people say, wow, who did this? Who mixed this? Who mastered this? Who recorded this? Give me their contact info. I want to work with them. If your projects aren't doing that, if they aren't creating a snowball effect, 
you should have said no to the clients that you took on. And that's a big issue here. This is kind of a whole episode by itself, but each project you do, if it's one of these like dead end projects, you're like, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to get money for it, hopefully, but I'm not going to get any more projects from it. Of course, that's a business issue for you. Don't waste your time on projects that don't earn you more projects in the future. Just to kind of wrap this episode up, there are a lot of things involved with reducing your stress levels, with helping to eliminate anxiety. And I think we're really, we probably just scratched the surface here, but there's no way you listen to this episode and didn't have at least one aha moment. I feel like if you made it to this point of the episode, you know what that next thing is that you need to tackle, whether it's your personal boundaries, your family boundaries, your client boundaries, maybe it's your diet, maybe you're just eating ramen noodles every day or Tostino's Tostino's frozen pizza rolls. Delicious. There it is. Not good for you though. Yeah. Maybe you've never exercised or maybe you've only stuck with exercise for a week. You tried P90X and you burned out after two weeks. I understand. Go try yoga. Go try something else. Go try spin classes. Go try running. Go try hiking. Go for a damn walk every day. Do something that involves exercise. Or if it's the mental health thing, go seek a professional. Again, there are so many different sources of stress in our life. If we can even help you eliminate one major source of stress, I feel like we've done a lot to improve your life. I've got, I think, a good final tip. I am a fervent believer in the amazingness that is the self-evaluation forms. So we've talked a lot about forms on this podcast about how you can use them to help grow your business. One of the things you can do with them is you can use them to help grow yourself. So it might be helpful, if this is stuff that you're struggling with, is to say, here's a couple questions. I'm going to make the form for you right now. Chris, how did you do on boundaries this month? One to 10. 10 being awesome, one being not so good. All right, uh, six. Chris, how did you do on diet this month? One to 10. Chris, how did you do on exercise this month? One to 10. Chris, how's your mental health this month? One to 10. Chris, how's the cleanliness of your work and living environment? One to 10. Chris, how's your walk away power? One to 10. If you sit down and say, hey, on the first of each month, I am going to open a Google Doc and I'm just going to answer these questions. That's going to help you develop these gas gauges that we've talked about. It's going to help give you a chance to sit down and say, hmm, boy, I really didn't do very good on my family boundaries this month. Hmm, what can I do to improve that next month? The self-eval is massively powerful, especially consistent self-eval. If you get a couple months in the bank doing the consistent self-eval or a couple weeks, if you're doing it weekly, it can be huge. Is it really that hard to say the word evaluation? It's a waste of time. Inefficient, (laughs) Brian. (laughs) I respect that. (laughs) And that gives me some ideas for my marriage, honestly. It's like we'll be getting together every month to go over things like budget and plans for the month and whatever we're going to be cooking each week. It might be good to have some sort of marriage or life or household evaluation that we go over as a couple. Yeah, I would recommend starting with a selfie, Val. You shouldn't evaluate her (laughs) until like year seven. (laughs) More like us, not me or her, but us. How did we do with our diet this month? How did we do with... Yeah, totally. Implementing self-evaluation systems can be really massive, not just because it helps you track your progress, but it helps you develop that gas gauge of, boy, how did I do? And then what happens is that next month is you're in a position to make a decision and you're like, hmm, if I do this thing, I'm going to have to give myself a six out of 10 instead of a seven out of 10 at the end of the month. That starts to be really, really helpful. So again, I know we covered a lot of stuff on this episode. Chris, do you have anything you want to end on here? 
you guys kind of make fun of me for saying, you know, I'm just preaching to myself from 15 years ago because I say it like every episode, but it's the only reason I'm able to come up with anything decent to share with you guys is to focus on like 15 years ago, Chris, and be like, what the hell are you doing with your life, man? Yeah. Mine's just a five years ago self. <laughs> All the stuff that I'm talking about where my life was like super stressed out and I was eating terribly and I, that was like five or six years ago. It wasn't even that long ago. So I'm just appreciating myself from six years ago. <laughs> yeah. So this episode would have made my skin crawl five years ago. I would have been like, oh God, oh, too many opportunities for self-improvement. So I hope this has been helpful for you guys. I hope that there's something that you can take away from this episode that will make your life better, that will make you less stressed, which will then help you make better decisions to grow your business. So that is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. As you can probably tell by my voice, I am finally back home at my studio with a real microphone and a real interface. No more shitty audio for my little mobile rig. I am back. For those of you who put up with my shitty audio for the last couple of weeks, thank you so much. For Chris Graham, who got a couple episodes done while I was gone, thank you so much, Chris. Like Literally, I could not have enjoyed my honeymoon nearly as much uh, without someone like you to take over this podcast for me while I was gone. I honestly thought I'd get a lot more work done from the road. Like Our plan was two weeks of honeymoon, no work at all. And then from that point on, we'll work a few hours a day. We'll still get work done. It did not happen that way. We are, there's just too much to see, too much to do. Uh, there's too many distractions. I cannot recommend trying to run and grow multiple businesses while traveling with a new wife. It just it, it can't be done. So uh, I am finally back getting on my normal routine and I'm stoked to be back. And I cannot wait to see what else 2019 has to hold. Next week's episode, I don't know what it is yet. We have an interview, I think. A couple interviews lined up. I really haven't even talked to Chris yet this week. So uh, we will find out next week, bright and early, 6 a.m. Tuesday morning, what our next episode is. You'll just have to listen to find out what that is. So until next time, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for putting up with my absence for the past couple weeks. Thank you, Chris, for doing work while I was gone. And happy hustling. Whoa.